Hey, everybody. Great episode of the Bitcoin show today. The show is all about Bitcoin ordinals and BRC20. So we talk about where ordinals are at compared to a few months ago, where they're going next, and all things BRC20 and ordinals market. We have someone from Luxor Mining join the show and talk about how mining has changed post-ordinals. We have Frank from D-Gods, who is one of the most notable founders on the Ethereum and, you know, kind of mainstream NFT ecosystem. But they've actually dropped on Bitcoin. So it's great to hear his perspective as well. Overall, it's an absolutely fantastic episode of the Bitcoin show. Hope you all enjoy it. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Bitcoin show. If it's your first time listening, we run this show every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern time each and every week where we discuss all things Bitcoin past, present, and future. If you enjoyed the show, if you want to support the show, retweet the tweet that's pinned at the top. It's just a link to this Twitter spaces. We want to get this show in front of as many people as we possibly can. So we appreciate you doing your part and helping us get this show out there. Uh, It's available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts as well if you want to share it with people from outside of the Twitter echo chamber, as we call it over here. But look, we got a great show ahead of us. I'm your host, P.O., here with my co-host, Trevor Owens, the one and only, the host of The Ordinal Show, the CEO of Ninjalers, partner at Bitcoin Frontier Fund and an investor in many, many Bitcoin and Web3 startups. Trevor, how's it going today? Going well, P.O., going well. Man, the excitement in the Ordinals community is big. A lot of people coming over to Bitcoin. Just excited for another week. Uh, Looking forward to every day. Hell yeah. Well, that's what I like to hear. Uh, Our other co-host, I just saw her in the crowd. I don't know if she's having maybe some technical issues. Aubrey Strobel, the host of the Observation YouTube channel, big time Bitcoin content creator. Definitely subscribe to her Observation channel, A-U-B-S-E-R-V-A-T-I-O-N, to catch some interviews with really the biggest names in Bitcoin uh, in person in her studio. Really cool content. She's a marketing partner at Trust Machines and the former head of communications at Lolly. We will work on getting her on stage here. Might be a technical issue. But look, today is going to be all about Bitcoin ordinals and BRC20. Obviously, we're coming off of a monster show last week. I see that Aubrey might not be able to make it today. So she will be missed. She will be missed. Uh, But hopefully she can pop in maybe a little bit later in the show. Uh, However, last week was a monster show, right? We had Balaji on, which was obviously incredible and, and just such a treat for me, I'm sure. Trevor, uh, you thought that it was uh, really something too, I'm assuming. And then also Lynn Alden, Luke Groman. I mean, it was it was a squad. Uh, Trevor, what'd you think? Of, what'd you think of last week? Yo, that was such a stacked show, man. And I mean, great to put those people together. And I think there was a lot of things discussed, but it's like you just don't have enough time to unpack those giga brains into you know enough information for everybody. So I think it was a, like an appetizer. I'd love to have them back and, you know, get the full steak on the plate there. Well, we might have to wait for that, Trevor, because I don't think you can book a guy like Balaji every single week. Um, but no, obviously, I'm joking and I agree with you. That was, uh, it left you wanting more. The week before, we had the debate between uh, Udi and Greg Foss. So that was uh, that was a, a jam too. That was interesting. Uh, but look, this, this show is all about Bitcoin ordinals and BRC20. So it's more of a market discussion type show, which is a lot of fun. And obviously, that's the type of show that we do on the NFT side in the morning. 
morning. I know that you have your ordinal show, Trevor, and that's you know in the direction of the content that you talk about. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening, if you if you have any questions, any comments uh, about what we're discussing, or if you want to join the show, you know, just click on that little purple bubble on the bottom right. Just press that purple bottle bubble on the bottom right of your Twitter Spaces screen on your phone, uh, and let us know what you're thinking about. Let us know what questions you have. Let us know if you want to come on stage because it's going to be all about the market right now for Bitcoin ordinals and BRC20 because that market has been heating up quite a bit. And during a period of time where it almost seems like wins are hard to come by, uh, lo and behold, Bitcoin's got all the action. So it's been really exciting. And as someone that started off as an only Bitcoin person, I, I did not have exposure to anything else for my first, you know, call it full year in crypto. Uh, other than Bitcoin, I was just full Bitcoin, you know, day in and day out. And then I found NFTs, you know, for me to go through that process and to now see what's happening on the BRC20 and ordinal side of things, it, it gives me nostalgia and it kind of like, it, it's deja vu from, you know, two years ago, early 2021 NFTs, but this time, you know, on the first and most robust blockchain, there is Bitcoin. So there's a lot to unpack here. So uh, I'm going to have some some friends, you know, that are kind of chain agnostic join the show today that watch the market like a hawk to fill people in on what's happening on the BRC20 and Ordinal side. But just to set the stage, ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be more of a market discussion, all Bitcoin Ordinals, all BRC20, but obviously that's a different flavor uh, of the show than what we normally do. Uh, so Trevor, you know, you're, you're one of the earliest people you know, to me that I know that was just all over ordinals from day one. Can you give us a little bit of context on where we're at now? And, you know, I do think that there's a lot of people that have been longtime Bitcoiners that maybe haven't dipped their toe into ordinals yet because it kind of takes time to, to, you know, to go to something that's so different and so new when you've been on, a, you know, the other field, so to speak, for a few years. So I'd love for you to kind of, you know, give us a little bit of a high level understanding of just where Ordinals is now compared to where it was a couple uh, of months ago. And then we'll kind of sink our teeth into the market discussion. Yeah, I mean, it's still, I mean, we've come so far so quickly, but it's still definitely, you know, the cliche to say it's early um, because, um, there's still a lot of uh, open space and um, greenfield for developers. And so, you know, we're still seeing um, like major dominoes kind of get knocked over. Like, you know, when, when Sailor uh, came on the Ordinals train, that was a, that was a big one. Um, we, have, we have Peter Schiff, you know, Peter Schiff is getting into Ordinals. It's, wild. It's so funny. Absolutely um, wild. You know, uh, and um, yeah, like I think that there's still you know, other dominoes to, uh, get knocked over here. And that's, that's kind of, kind of how I think about it is like, you know, for me, for the, from the start of this, you know, ordinals was definitely a new paradigm of how to build applications on Bitcoin. It wasn't just a, you know, NFT protocol, but we've seen now BRC twenties take off. We saw OKX, uh, launch a proposal for BRC thirties. Um, we're seeing um, multiple uh, marketplaces have launched, multiple wallets. All the tooling is coming in pretty quickly. You know, I've seen a lot of capitulation from a lot of the Ethereum community who faded ordinals early on, just saying like, "Oh, this is a, um, you know, this is just a meta. This is not like a uh, anything more than that." A, a meta, a meta meaning like a trend in the market. Yeah, like a like a trading like 
in when it comes to NFTs, like a meta is like, hey, someone does like a new type of gimmick and there's a new way to capture people, people's attention and just kind of drive liquidity to something. But really it, that kind of perspective ignores that there's any innovation or value creation because a new meta tends to be like, hey, you know, we had the um, the allow list meta, then we had the application meta, then we had the, you know, the uh, anime PFP meta. It's kind of like, uh, you know, hey, people realize that there's a, a narrow gap in the market and maybe it's not really that innovative, but a lot of traders are interested in it. It's a room for somebody to enter the market as opposed to, hey, this is a, this is a fundamental paradigm of how many different applications can be built in the future. And I think we're still, we still haven't found the limits of this paradigm. And this tooling is still not, you know, like there's a lot of improvements to be made in the user experience. There's a lot of improvements to be made um, in, uh, in the tooling. And also there's, there's like, you know, there, we're in the rare sat, like rare sats is like a meta. Like Ordinals has its own meta. You know, Ordinals is not a meta. It has met- multiple metas. And there's many metas to come, like such as the rare sats uh, hype that's going on right now, such as, um, you know, future um, on-chain um, sort of uh, references where you can create, you know, NFT projects where you reference other inscription data and include it in your project. And you can, you know, you can save a lot of cost on the inscriptions by doing that or, you know, even build applications in a way like that on Ordinals. And we're, we're going to see an L2 uh, race on Bitcoin coming up soon as the gas prices continue to increase and as we get closer to the bull market. So, you know, we're seeing a lot of creativity and radical ideas coming out there. And I'm just, you know, trying to support all of it. I'm trying to support all of it. If I think something's a dumb idea, listen, I'm going to be, I'm going to be wrong so many times and I'll be right a few times, but like we're changing the culture of Bitcoin where it's, it's no longer like, Hey, literally it used to be on Bitcoin that people would attack developers for trying to build cool stuff. And now it's like those voices have become minimized and people are pouring in because they know that Bitcoin is going to be here for a long time. They know that Bitcoin is not going anywhere. Um, and that now that you can build really cool applications on it, and there's users who are who want these things. Um, it really uh, brings the developers in, which are the lifeblood of any ecosystem. The developers are, you know, if you have developers and users, the developers are the the um, what I call the gazelle in the the chicken and you have a chicken and egg problem. What came first, chicken and egg? The better way to think about it is is gazelle and lions in a two sided marketplace. The gazelle bring the lions to the savanna, which are the users. And so, yeah, the more developers we get in here building cool stuff. Lots of experiments, lots of failures. That's that's expected. Silicon Valley, ninety-five percent of Web two startups fail. You know, Web three is even harder. We need failure. We need experiments. We need people uh, coming in and being welcome, and and people discussing it. And of course, you'll have you'll have plenty of rug pulls in this industry. That's not going away. But uh, out of that sort of um, you know uh, co- uh, collision or out of that a melting pot, there'll be great companies built and millions of users onboarded and it'll take the, st- the space forward in a big way. Couldn't have said it better myself, Trevor, and I'm excited to you know dive into some of this market discussion. You know, you brought up builders and people that are building on Bitcoin. It's just been fascinating to me to see how quickly products and platforms have developed and you know come to market, and whether they were on the market or not already, I was not aware of them, and I don't think you know my colleagues were aware of them. And at this point, it's it's almost like just the norm to have them, right? Like I think of Hero Wallet. Um, you know, I mean, this, you know, there's so many different things. I mean, the, the platform gamma to, to buy and sell ordinals, all these different things, right? Xverse, another, uh, wallet I've been using Xverse. And these are things I didn't know what they were three or four months ago. And now I have them all. 
right? So I have them. I, I use them on a regular basis. And it's been, you know, just incredible to see. I mean, I, I don't know, like we, we can kind of get in the, into the weeds now. We have Leonidas on stage, uh, who I know co-hosts your show, Trevor. Um, and then we have Easy, who I'll describe, you know, for the Bitcoin crowd is a, a chain agnostic super active market participant like easy is is you know my my partner at my business but um you know more importantly he's a like a day trader really that nothing slips by easy and easy uh, i know you had traded bitcoin before like the actual coin in like 2017 and 2018 uh but before ordinals you weren't you know buying and selling bitcoin related assets on a daily basis am i right about that very, very rarely. And to be honest, like I just kind of kept a stack of it, not even a stack, like just some exposure to it because it's like the crypto, you know, like that's that's the father of it all. So you always want some exposure to it in my take. But like I didn't really follow too much about what was going on. It was just kind of like my safe haven bet for crypto where I felt comfortable tucking it away. And then I did get into like inscriptions when ZK got kind of like heavy into them back in February. But uh, it was never something that I was like aggressively day trading. Like that was always the one that like I would look for altcoins and like really much lower market caps that were far more volatile just to try to capitalize on the crypto space. Yeah. And so you're someone that, you know, had exposure to Bitcoin, right, as like kind of a long term investment, but you're more of like a get in and get out market participant, which a considerable amount of the crypto ecosystem contains. And there almost wasn't a Bitcoin area for them to attack uh, before this, right? And, and now you have, you know, all these different people that are used to trading assets, getting in and getting out, just being all over assets that are built on Bitcoin, bringing activity to. To the Bitcoin blockchain, you know, basically rewarding Bitcoin miners, right? Just, just bringing activity at the end of the day, Ac- activity and awareness, which gets me really excited. Um, I want to throw to Leonidas. You know, Leonidas, you you share a show with Trevor. Um, I'd love to hear your perspective on you know what's going on with Ordinals and BRC twenties, you know, right now. Yeah, it's it's interesting. We see these markets evolve just super fast. Because I think just because there's so much going on, right? Like it's all of this low hanging fruit where it's like, you know, this primitive, for example, uh, this primitive has like multiple parts to it, the inscription and the sat. We saw people focus on the inscriptions for the like larger part of like February, March, April. And starting in May and now coming into June, people are like starting to pay attention to the other half, which is the sat, which is, you know, how you track ownership. So, yeah, it's like there's probably a dozen examples of like kind of metas and niches like this that are starting to get carved out. The more eyeballs you have, the more developers you have onboarded, just the more like cool areas people are going to, you know, carve out and get excited about. Whereas early on we were like, you know, <laughs> it's like, how can I inscribe a fart MP3? Like we, we weren't thinking too big brained yet. And now that there's so many people, like we're just uh, seeing an explosion of protocols an explosion of experiments an explosion of like, just collectors like digging in and finding like all this cool stuff that I couldn't even have thought of. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a special time. Um, it's yeah. I think since I was last on the show, the space has probably grown like 10 X, uh, which is, it's pretty surreal. Yeah. I think you came on the second or third show. Today is the 13th show. So it's not like we're two years into this thing, right? We're, we're three months, a little bit more than three months into this. And so much has changed to the point where people in the audience right now have these orange backgrounds, you know, basically signaling like, you know, I rock with ordinals. <laughs> you know, I'm an ordinals yeah, person, baby. you know? And 
<laughs> Love to see it. I mean, we have BitGod on stage. So, you know, BitGod, you've created uh, OXBT. Uh, we don't want to have this show be a, a promotional platform necessarily, but rather just more of like a discussion of things that are going on in the market. But OXBT has captured the attention of many. I know Easy has exposure. I have a little bit of exposure. So that's actually the first uh, BRC20 that I ever bought. Um, I'm curious, you know, where do you see things going from here with BRC20? I'd love to know. And also, what are the other kind of hot entities that are popping up on BRC20? Yeah, so I think where do things go? I, I think you're going to see over this next week and really over the next couple months a lot of experiments uh, for Bitcoin native BRC20 swaps, pools, right? A lot of these sort of basic pieces of infra we see on Ethereum and, and other places. There's a company called OmniSats. Uh, there's another company that's sort of on, on, on the layer two side. A trustless Computer, they just went live with their swap and pool today. Going to have to try that out by the, before the end of uh, end of day today. Uh, there's a couple that are trying to build stuff on stacks. Um, I think what what's really interesting though is is you just have a lot of buy-in to the BRC20 standard at this point, to where I don't know if there can be really any other standard, at least on the fungible token side, that um, can have that's this much adoption you also have coming soon right a, a brc20 native stable coin right from stably um which i think would would if done right right if if sort of good um would open up more liquidity so you just you just have a lot of these different sort of experiments and innovations happening right in front of our eyes and and i think a lot of this stuff we're we're trying to really experiment with as much as possible um, so we just, uh, you know, we just started the sort of like first ever BRC20 raffle yesterday, right? We're trying to do some first ever like BRC20 auctions. So there's a lot of different things from our end, as well as I think the rest of, of the Bitcoin ecosystem that I think are really cool happening right now. And I'm really excited. Um, I think, I think to your second, yeah. I, guess, I guess to your second question on, on maybe what else I'm excited about. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think, uh, my, my problem is I've been way too heads down. And so I haven't been able to, I think, really take a, a serious look. At a, lot, at a lot of other stuff. There's a lot of really cool ordinals collections. Uh, but on the BRC20 side, uh, you know, I've taken sort of my foot off the gas on minting and, and I'll, you know, I guess DJing a little bit. But I uh, would love to eventually get back into that, hoping, you know, hoping there's maybe some other projects out there working hard. Yeah. And you mentioned stable coins, uh, you know, via BRC20. Are we on the fast track to a Bitcoin based stable coin at this point? This, this is a, you know, a topic that we've brought up on this show a number of times. And I feel like, you know, every seven days right now with Ordinals and BRC20, the amount of development that happens is just kind of, you know, changing where we're at. So I guess what, what's the current state of affairs with, you know, real practical, you know, stable coins that could potentially be competitors to the big names that we already have in stable coins, you know, on Bitcoin, whether it's BitGod or Leonidas or, or anybody on stage, I'd love to hear. CB Spears, what's going on? Oh, hey, yeah. Uh, looks like the usual crowd. BitGod, Leo, <laughs> Trevor, what's up, everybody? <laughs> uh, you, I, I heard stable coin. I thought I'd hop up. Um, yeah, no, this is really interesting. I It's funny because I've been in Bitcoin a long time and um, we've not really seen fungible tokens tried on Bitcoin have very much product market fit. It's kind of funny because I've been I've been uh, cynical about the BRC20 standard, but what a, you cannot deny is that it's unbelievably popular. Um, with regards to stable coins, uh, we'll see. Yeah, Stably's trying to do it. I 
I actually think um, it's kind of worth mentioning that uh, like Tether got its start on Bitcoin. I think it was 2014 with the Omni protocol and then moved to Ethereum where the large volume is. And I think now it's Tezos. Um, as far as stable coins go, I, I don't know if I think BRC20 is the best standard for it, but like, why not just try anything right now? Right now is the time to be very experimental. Um, Domo, the, the creator of the BRC20 standard, actually specifically references Taro, I think believe now called TAPS, as um, probably a really good fungible token standard. Um, and I know that that enables certain uh, stablecoin type assets. Uh, yeah, th those are just some thoughts, but, uh, I'm having a blast watching the market, uh, discover, uh, what to do and where to do it. And people like BitGod are, uh, wonderful voices <laughs> to help drive consumer interest. Yeah. I mean, you know, wh what we're really talking about is just increased activity on Bitcoin, right? Whether it's with Bitcoin itself or with BRC20 or ordinals. And there's just no situation, in my opinion at least, where that's a bad thing. When we talk to Eric Wall, when we talk to Eric Voorhees on the show, Nick Carter, they all have the same sentiment that more activity is good. I, I don't think that's you know necessarily like a, a, a controversial statement to say at this point that you want more people to participate on a given blockchain. Um, you know, I'd love to hear from Easy, for example, on maybe you know what are the hottest projects being built right now on Ordinals. You know, we've seen some big name NFT people like uh, Frank from D Gods do drops on Ordinals. We've seen uh, Yuga Labs do their 12 fold drop on Ordinals. Yuga Labs is the consensus biggest name in the NFT space. I'd love to know what else is like kind of uh, shaking things up on Ordinals. Like, what, what's the hot stuff to look out for, Easy? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple different projects that have a lot of people like really excited right now, especially from like all chains. Um, you just saw like these Satoshi punks do like a, uh, I think it was like SPAT or something like that. That was a BRC20 token that got a lot of legs. There's another one minting today. I think it's called MRXC, MXRC, something along those lines. That's got a lot of people excited about it. And you have a lot of like, the big thing is this interest from other chains that are just so eager and excited to get into this. So whether it's ETH, Solana, combination of both OG Bitcoiners, just everybody kind of diving into this and getting that excitement. You have Bitcoin whales which has been one that basically you, you look at their public Twitter and they're doing this thing that's like get wet with us or something like that. Like Klanosaurus get got wet with us, which is like just a joke in itself, which is hilarious to hear. And uh, that was like the top project that they had on there. Um, the most recent tweet when I say top, like top of their timeline. And we were going over it on a stream recently and it just made us laugh out loud to see that like a whole project page. On Solana, partnering with this, they got some allow list spots. So a lot of people are really excited about that. Ordillas is another one that's got a lot of hype and interest from all chains right now. And you're starting to just see this crossover where people aren't so much chain agnostic. And when ETH and Sol were both running late 2021, early 2022, it almost felt like a chain war where people were like, this is a better blockchain, this is a better blockchain. And no one has that sentiment when it's going from ETH or Solana to Bitcoin. It's pretty clear that the sentiment is like, if a project has hype there, the liquidity exists and there's a potential for new liquidity from all chains to be present. And like OXBT and shout out BitGod was one of the first ones that we saw just this massive interest from every chain on and had so many people excited for it and eager to get exposure to it. And even now people are still excited. Like the auction yesterday was something I heard in a lot of circles that I trade in with people that were hyped to see how it plays out. And I think that's something that we're going to continue to see is this innovation and experimentation where BRC20s are going to be used to mint things. You're going to see other key parts where 
people are trying new things on Bitcoin with some of these new protocols to figure out like what that hype cycle is going to look like. Shout out Leonidas too for the marketplace where people are now looking for filters for rare sats. So like that's something a lot of people are really eager and excited for. We just saw Nullish and ZK inscribe on a hyper rare Satoshi that's got people like going crazy for what's next to come. The green eyed um, OMBs and Nullish's collections and fine art from that side of things getting onto these hyper rare Satoshis. And now like you're educating an army of people from different blockchains about like what's rare in a sense of not just inscription number, but the Satoshi that they're on. And like that's something for me that like uh, when I first got into ordinals, and it's going to sound wild because this was what, like four months ago, you were bridging it to Emblem Vault and waiting two hours to get a, an ordinal on ETH to find liquidity. And now there's so many different options for people to get exposure to things and trade these assets, whether it's just ba- like even just certain BRC20s that are on uncommon Satoshis are selling for more than common ones. And like that's something that's like educating and getting people just really excited again. And it does remind me of like late 21 where it's like this new meta that has people just so excited to find new opportunities and figure out like what the meta and that, that angle really is. But I, kind of a long-winded rant, but I mean like in short, I think like Bitcoin whales is one a lot of people are really eager to get into and Ordillas are the two like ordinal projects that are upcoming that uh, a lot of chains are trying to dive headfirst into. I love it easy. And I, I'm glad you brought up rare sats because that's the next thing I want to talk about is really like the built-in provenance of rare Satoshis and how cool of a mechanic that is that only can exist on Bitcoin. Like there isn't really an ETH equivalent, although Leonidas might check me and might say that there is. Uh, but I was going to throw to him about the rare sats to give people context um, because all of a sudden you're, you're thinking about Bitcoin in a different way or thinking about aspects of Bitcoin in a different way that people normally wouldn't, right? Where it's more on the collection side. So I do want to just kind of clear this or, or put this out there before we talk about rare sats is that when we talk about this stuff, when Easy talks about Bitcoin whales project that's coming out, right? Or there was another uh, project that was, um, you know, that was pretty popular. What was it? Pingu's? Easy? Is that what it was called? Pingu's? Yeah, Pingu's was a popular one because it was on the pizza Satoshi. So the infamous 10 Bitcoins for two Papa John pizzas had a lot of people going after those because that was one of the first times that like it was publicly known that those Satoshis were inscribed from those blocks that were exchanged for the the infamous Papa John pizzas. And that was like, it ended up sending those as high as I think like 0.14, 0.15 uh, Bitcoin, which like when we, when we break this down to like ETH and soul terms, that's a massive run comparatively <laughs> just due to the underlying price, you know? So like that's two grand for, for a Pingu that was like, had people just going crazy over them. And then like you saw Bitcoin frogs get a ton of legs just from all the partnerships they've had. And it, it really just, this whole thing reminds me so much of when you first got into NFTs and people were trying to get the hyped collections to get exposure to the next big thing. It's, it's just fun. Like that's the best part. And like you just hear the excitement in people's voices when they get into a new ecosystem and are so excited for what's next. Yeah, exactly. And so just to kind of close the loop on this, right, with the Pingus, is that it, it, this isn't like saying the Pingus are going to replace Bitcoin, right? I just want to make, because I'm sure there are people that have been like longtime Bitcoin holders that are listening to the show now, right? And I just want to draw a line, like make a distinction, right? It's not like, you know, are we going to buy a bar of gold or are we going to buy a Pingu, right? And, and like no one thinks that the Pingu is money. It's a collectible that's on Bitcoin now, right? So it's a different thing because I think a lot of times the confusion comes where Bitcoin is money, Bitcoin is hard money. Okay, cool. Um, That doesn't mean that you can't build fun and interesting things that aren't money 
on top of Bitcoin, right? And so if we talk about rare sats, Leonidas, I'd love, could you give us like, you know, a really high level understanding of, of rare Satoshis, the provenance associated with them, and just, you know, just how cool of a mechanic this is for ordinals that doesn't really exist, at least from what I can tell on other blockchains. Yeah, other blockchains were able to do NFTs in probably a much more like maybe intelligent sort of way. So they didn't need to hack together this like super clever innovation of using uh, uniquely indexed Satoshi, of which there are 1.9 quadrillion, assigning them all numbers and then using them to point to a file that's stored on chain, which is really cool. Like, but that's really like, uh, I mean, it's not necessarily ideally how you would do something like this, but it was the way that, you know, you could do it on Bitcoin. So that's how we're doing it. And you end up with this cool primitive where there's this file you uh, I kind of think of it as like you upload it to the Bitcoin database. And then you have these sats, which used to be fungible. And, you know, they're still fungible, but we've found a way to uniquely label them. So if you subscribe to our uh, crazy theory of ordinals, then they become non fungible tokens that we can track individually. And of course, a sat is uh, 100 millionth of a BTC. So what we're seeing is people are like essentially trading these on their own. Like there's a market now evolving um, where basically people are like, okay, like what are the interesting sats? You know, almost all of those 1.9 quadrillion sats are uh, very um, just common, like not, not super, nothing super interesting about them. Maybe ones like on your birthday, on somebody's birthday or something that might be interesting, but pretty much almost all stats are very boring. But out of those 1.9 quadrillion stats, there's certain uh, kind of rules you can apply to those stats or categories of those stats that are pretty interesting. So the first one is this rarity index that Casey Rodemore, the creator of Ordinals, came up with initially, which is um, uncommon stats, rare stats, epic stats, and then a few other uh, kind of types that we're not going to see it for a very long time. So those are the three to focus on. And what an uncommon sat is, is the first sat of each block. So when a block is mined, it has 6.5 BTC reward in it. So those 6.5 BTC are just kind of created, put into the world. The miner receives that. The first sat is uncommon. Okay. And then a rare is the first sat of each difficulty adjustment period. So the way to think about this is we get a new uncommon every 10 minutes, roughly. We get a new rare every two weeks. And then epic is the first stat of each having. So, you, you know, there's only three of those so far, and we're about to get a fourth next year. Okay, so these are uh, just kind of arbitrarily created uh, rules that, you know, people are valuing because the creator of ordinals said they were cool. Okay, and additionally to that, we call these attributes on ord.io. So it's uh, basically just neat stats. They're not even necessarily that rare, it's just cool. So pizza sats are a great example that was brought up, right? These are the 10,000 Bitcoins used to purchase two Papa John pizzas back in May 2010. Okay, so you can actually own a sat that was in that transaction, which is just, to me, that's a cool factor. Like if it ever ends up being valuable or not, like the market can determine that. I think that's pretty badass. And especially if you can own an NFT on top of that sat, right? That's like even cooler. So we have bought nine sats. Uh, which were just found last week uh, that Nolish and ZK have now inscribed on. And those are sats mined by Satoshi, okay, sent to Hal Finney because all of the blocks between zero and 77 were mined by Satoshi and just sit in his wallet. 
the only stats we have that are, you know, per, like basically kind of spread out throughout the Bitcoin network and put into quote unquote circulation are these block nine stats. So the oldest stats we're going to get unless Satoshi's wallet wakes up is these block nine stats. And they also happen to be part of the first Bitcoin transaction ever sent to Alfini. So we're seeing interesting, like I'll call it kind of historical. I'll be careful using that word because I obviously have kind of a history uh, in, in historical NFTs and stuff. And this is like a slightly different way to think about it. But basically these moments in time that are like just, I think, cool, neat moments to own a part of, like we're seeing demand for that, right? So Block 78 stats are the first uh, stats mined by someone other than Satoshi. And that's by Hal Finney. And those are the second oldest block that you can have. Uh, Nakamoto stats are stats mined by Satoshi. There's some other blocks that he sent from later on that you can own. Vintage stats are stats from the first 1,000 blocks. And palindrome stats are stats where every stat gets a number, like I mentioned, right? So there's maybe 15 digits on every stat, assigning a unique value and identifier to that. If that number reads the same forward as backwards, that's considered a palindrome. So what we do is we basically index all of the inscriptions and all the stats that the inscriptions are on, and then assign these little attributes, these little symbols that show up on the inscriptions to basically identify and allow people to sort and filter by these different uh, categories. And we're just seeing uh, a, a large increase in interest in that over the past maybe two weeks or so. Absolutely love to hear it. And I mean, look, I want to follow up in that. Uh, I want to point out, because a lot of people might not know, you tweeted that Binance actually holds over 12,000 uncommon Satoshis. And did you get a response from CZ? Trevor's down, giving me the thumbs down because he doesn't like that I, I sold out all the rare sat hunters. But yeah, <laughs> for people who don't know, what the, the rare sat hunters do is they withdraw PTC from like an exchange like Binance, sift it, extract all the good, valuable sats, and then send like the crappy, uh, boring sats back to, to the exchange and then just like rinse and repeat, right? So in a cold storage wallet for Binance, there is $7 billion worth of Bitcoin. And in that wallet is 1.66% of the uncommon sat supply. So CZ controls a decent little chunk of the, the rare sat market there. And I, I basically just tweeted, I was like, you know, dude, you should, uh, you know, you should, you should check this out and inscribe a 10k PFP ordinals collection on top of those sats, all on uncommon sats, which would be just kind of insane, to be honest. But and, and and real quick to give context, if people aren't familiar on the NFT side, when you say a 10k PFP collection, you mean a 10,000 supply, which is kind of deemed to be the sort of standard supply for NFT profile picture collections, right? So everyone on Twitter right now, y'all have a profile picture. I see some people in the audience right now with their actual, you know, pretty faces as the uh, profile picture, but a lot of us have these cartoon animal profile pictures. So a 10,000 supply profile picture collection on those uncommon Satoshis would have a considerable amount of, of provenance, right, Leonidas? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I've kind of been watching these like billionaires who have like shown interest in like ordinals and rare sats and stuff pretty carefully. So like Michael Saylor's someone who recently uh, showed a lot of interest with his uh, company MicroStrategy, but also, yeah, like I think maybe two months ago now, uh, CZ was just at a conference in Hong Kong and somebody asked him, like, what are you most excited about in crypto? And he was like, NFTs in Bitcoin. So from that moment, I was like, OK, we got to activate this guy. So I've been trying PSYOPs for the past few months, like trying to, uh, you know, I don't know, tagging CZ in a lot of tweets. 
he finally uh, replied with the little eye emoji to this idea. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it would be quite interesting. He'd, he'd make a splash in the space. And, you know, to be honest, if I was him, I think it would be a pretty good kind of marketing type of stunt to, uh, you know, coincide with the launch of, you know, Binance's ordinal marketplace that's launching very soon. So yeah, to me, it's just, it would be pretty badass. Like nobody else has 10,000 uh, uncommons. So he kind of gets to do uh, fun stuff because he, he controls such a large percent of the supply. It's an opportunity to do something that would actually work, you know, by a corporate entity in crypto. Because a lot of times, right, you see that stuff and it doesn't really work. Um, but, you know, when I think about rare sats, Leonidas, would it be fair to compare like hunting rare sats or collecting rare sats to the people that collect like rare coins? Like I remember when I was a little kid, right, it was, it was like you wanted like a, a buffalo coin or I don't even really remember. I wasn't really into the it, buffalo but I know nickels. that there's a lot of the buffalo nickels. Buffalo nickels. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Because that, that was money. It wasn't made to be a collectible, I, I feel like. I don't know a lot about collectible coins, but I know it is one of the biggest collectibles markets in the world. Is that an apt comparison or am I out to lunch? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty, I think it's a pretty solid comparison. Like I like to say that, you know, Bitcoin is digital gold. Inscriptions are digital artifacts and rare sats are digital diamonds. So there's many ways you could kind of frame this, but yeah, I think conceptually you're, you're pretty spot on there and Charlie might have something to say there as well. Charlie. Yeah. I, I'm just really jealous that Leo came up with the idea of attributes. I think it's one of the best ways to communicate about um, different kinds of things that might make a Satoshi special. Um, because as, as Leo said, like, there is an intuitive rarity scheme. I call it the Rodimore Rarity Index that Casey Rodimore comes up with of like the first out of the of a block, first out of a difficulty adjustment. But then there are like a multitude of other things which might make a Satoshi special. Maybe that Satoshi was mined on your birthday. Um, maybe the numbering of that Satoshi is particularly interesting. Um, there's a bunch of different ways we can number Satoshis. We can number them, number them one through 2.1 quadrillion. We can give them names and words. We can give them like coordinate places. And these are all really interesting forms of notation. Perhaps there's more notation to be discovered or invented. But like as Leonidas said, um, there are sat hunters where they like scan the wallets uh, that they own and they kind of filter through those and and send Bitcoin back and forth and change it out. But I actually think there might be useful to think in terms of a bunch of different types of people who are in the business of rare or special Satoshis. I think of Nolish, who's in the audience, the great sat hunter, the the first of his kind who um, really like defined the meta on uh, finding and procuring these special Satoshis. But then I actually think there's the people who sift through all the Satoshis which have been created and try to find the, the ones that they want, but then also consider that um, there are a lot of Satoshis yet to be produced. And those come from Bitcoin miners. Um, I'm with Luxor, we're a North American Bitcoin mining pool. And so I like to think of Luxor or other Bitcoin miners or pools as the like producer of future Satoshis. So like 
the, so it, what's interesting is the majority of Bitcoin has been created, but yet the majority of uncommon Satoshis have yet to be created because of the way that they fall into like the rarity index. So because the majority of Bitcoin blocks have yet to be produced. So this is a really interesting conversation about how do we like discover the meta? And my view is like there's so many things to be discovered and so many different ideas to be developed from this very simple idea that we're going to number Satoshis and track them. So that I think like now is one is like the golden age for people coming with fresh ideas onto Bitcoin and saying, huh, I wonder why nobody's thought of this before. So I would say go read through the documentation and go try to figure out sat hunting yourself. It's so cool to be in Bitcoin at this time. I mean, I love it. And Charlie, let me ask you this. So, you, you know, you mentioned you're from Luxor. We had your pal Nick on the show uh, before I got to meet him at the Taproot Wizard event. Really nice guy. So as a mining entity, right? Uh, now that, you know, you're talking about uncommon sats that have yet to be mined, is this going to give miners an additional, you know, basically revenue source? It's almost like if you were, uh, you know, getting a bunch of packs of baseball cards and, you know, your normal job was to just take in the packs of baseball cards, but every once in a while you get a rare baseball card so you can sell that one for more. Is that the direction that mining is heading in if these rare and uncommon sats are actually going to carry more value? Hundred percent. I think that is a very like low hanging fruit. It's pretty obvious that Bitcoin miners should be thinking in terms of how to diversify revenue. Um, one of the problems is that Bitcoin mining is very innovative on the infrastructure side, but not particularly innovative on the what's happening in Bitcoin side because we've not needed to pay attention to that. Luxor is, and so we're leaning into it. But um, I would say that even more so than just the rare Satoshis is that what Casey Rodimore did when he kind of released the Ord client into the world, as I like to say, it's a kind of like he opened Pandora's box or Pandora's blocks, if you will, because what I think what we're seeing nice. is, yeah, <laughs> put that one in my, my catchphrases. He opened Pandora's blocks, which is that um, this defines a new era for block space price discovery because Bitcoin's had four megabytes of data that you can fit into each block and we've never really used it. There's, it's been a bit taboo to think of like interesting ways to use it um, in Bitcoin. And so I think there's a lot new of new interest in uh, on this because we're like, well, okay, we can put JPEGs on here. That's really cool. I mean, can we put like, um, like code on Bitcoin? Can we put videos? Can we put like various forms of contracts? What does this do? And so what we're seeing is in addition to just ordinals and ordinal theory, we're seeing kind of a lot of these interesting ideas, which are various ways of utilizing Bitcoin's data availability of its block space. And they're really taking off. And this is taking off because um, ordinals is kind of like the, uh, it's, it's kind of like, uh, it's, it's the catalyst for this, for a lot of people to say, oh shit, Bitcoin's going to get more expensive. We have to figure out more innovative ways to use it. And that's what I get excited about. Bitcoin miners need to be thinking in terms of how can we participate and build um, systems to capitalize on a new era for block space, block space valuation. No, I mean, I absolutely love it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is The Bitcoin Show. If it's your first time listening, we do the show every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern time. The show is also available on Apple and Spotify podcasts if you want to share it with people outside of the Twitterverse. Make sure you follow The Bitcoin Show. It's the account that's hosting this show. And if you want to support the show, just retweet that first tweet at the top. 
That is just the link to the show, the very first tweet, if you scroll to the right. That's the link to the show. We want to get the show in front of as many listeners as we possibly can. Well, you know, Charlie just brought up the idea of doing interesting things with ordinals, with Bitcoin. We have BitGod on stage. Easy already mentioned the raffle system. So BitGod, can you walk us through from like a technical perspective, you know, what exactly the idea was behind the raffle system, how the results went, just because I feel like at this point, anything new and and different on Bitcoin, it, it, it's a story. It's a big story, right? And it's it's really exciting stuff. I mean, Leonidas just pointed out that CZ said that NFTs on Bitcoin, uh, in his mind, is the most interesting thing in crypto, which when I look at the crypto ecosystem right now, what could be more interesting? I mean, come on now. Um, so yeah, Bitcoin, could you talk a little bit about this raffle system? Then after that, I want to hear from Trevor, Easy, Leo, everybody, what the, what the consensus top projects are on ordinals right now because that's that's an important thing in collectibles it's an important thing in art it's an important thing in nfts Wh- who's at the top of the heap and are they staying there but anyway bit god uh with the raffle system please uh let us know what's going on yeah so i mean i think uh, the the raffle thing is is just something that's just you know one piece of of i think a number of different experiments happening this week and and throughout uh uh probably the rest of, of this year if not more and I mean, it was it was ultimately pretty simple, right? The, the Bitcoin anons, they're they're an interesting sort of collection that has been featured on Ord.io a couple times, um, and and because of of some of the different rare attributes that they've been inscribing on as well, uh, this is this is just an honorary that they basically made for me. That's on you know a Block seventy eight sat as well as a Vintage sat, and and ultimately they they were like, hey here's your honorary, just send us your address. Um, but we also had this interesting idea, like what if we built a custom VRC20 raffle platform? And I'm like, fuck it, do it. Um, and so they built it out over the weekend, right? This is the first ever sort of BRC20 raffle system, system at all. Um, and obviously it started yesterday, I think yesterday afternoon. So it's still gone ongoing. I think there's maybe 300 or 400 tickets that have been purchased, you know, at, at 100 OXPT per ticket. Um, and then 70% of the proceeds, you know, from that, that sort of raffle are going to, you know, just directly to the Ordinal's core dev team. And then the other 30% is going to, you know, them, the, the, the Bitcoin anons plus the development team that put this together in, in a couple of days uh, for their sort of efforts. So that's just, I think, one of the experiments that we'd like to do with OXPT. I think that, that we're trying to work on, on other stuff on, on the auction side. I think that you can also get really, really, you know, deep on again these attributes with really cool one of ones with auctions. Um, that I think is 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 sometimes a little bit more intriguing than, than maybe the raffles um, because you can you can get some some really really nice pieces, of course. And then it's you know it's within the OXPT ecosystem. It's just a number of different things. So that's something that you can expect throughout this week is is more I think potential raffles as well as experiments. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. I think that this is a cool first one and I think there's a lot more to come. Yeah, I love it. And, and, you know, I'd be curious from a technical perspective. So, so we have wallets, right? We got like, uh, I, I'm personally using Xverse wallet. I know hero wallet is a big deal too. Uh, LN swap, right? Lightning swaps. We've got, you know, marketplaces like gamma.io. So we have these, you know, pieces of infrastructure in, in place, what are the next like what are the next nuts to crack to take that next step forward from a technical perspective? I'd love to know if you know Leonidas or Trevor Bitcoin, anybody has that you know kind of top of mind like what's the next thing to break through on from a technical perspective to just make this even easier, more fluent? Trevor, you have your hand raised. what's going on? 
Yeah, I think the next step is definitely going to be like recursion and allowing inscriptions to reference each other. <clears throat> and so, you know, we've talked about this with, with Leo because he runs Ord.io, which is an explorer. But the really cool thing is that you can actually build decentralized uh, front-end applications. You can imagine like how different governments are attacking the DeFi space by going to like the hosting company or going to the um, the front-end uh, website and trying to shut it down that way because you can't shut down the smart contract on-chain, but you can't shut down the front-end. And the form factor of um, ordinals allows you to uh, essentially make that a lot harder to do for things that would be meaningful for society to be uncensorable. But it also allows for creativity in art and creating different types of digital assets. So the you know, the on-chain monkey um, team has inscribed uh, P5JS, which is, if you know, is what the library that Artbox uses. And the ergonomics of actually building art with P5JS on Bitcoin are actually much more decentralized. And I would argue, uh, I would argue better than the way it's being done on Ethereum right now. I know it's going to be controversial to say, um, but I think it's true. And that's because we can allow situations where you know, an explorer can display these and you can have a, you can have kind of a, a language within the, um, the inscription that would allow you to plug in, you know, a JavaScript library to another inscription or uh, plug in some code from another inscription into your inscription in a way where you're actually creating like a kind of a, a application ecosystem using just the decentralized block space of Bitcoin. I mean, I, I love it. And I hadn't even, you know, I, I'm just totally unfamiliar with with really most of the the kind of angles that you're talking about there. You know, we have Frank on stage, ladies and gentlemen. If you're unfamiliar with Frank, Frank is one of the founders of D Gods NFT, also Utes NFT, two of the top collections in the Ethereum NFT ecosystem. But more importantly, he's a longtime Bitcoiner. And they actually, the D Gods fam actually released D Gods on Ordinals on some pretty damn uh, solid sats, right? Because they were, uh, you know, hunted down by ZK Shark, who now I think everybody in Ordinals knows who ZK Shark are. Am I incorrect about that, Frank? Forgive me. Yeah. Am no. I giving you a bad intro here? <laughs> no, it's all good. Just showing, you know, you got a lot to learn about um, Bitcoin <laughs> still. It's all good, PO. You know, everyone's going to be catching up pretty soon. Um, no, we, we actually did something kind of that hasn't been replicated since. And CB, who's up here on stage, we worked together with the Luxor team. Um, we mined an entire block. Uh, CB, you could probably explain, um, you know, PO for you and the audience as well, but mostly for you, PO. <laughs> It, Charlie, if you want to explain the process of how Frank, I, I, don't, I don't know, I had my wires crossed. I thought Shark was involved. Um, Shark's just got his hands in everything ordinal, so I don't know. But yeah, you guys mind a full block for Frank for those sats? Yeah. Uh, shout out, Frank. Shout out, ZK. This is a golden age of people building on Bitcoin. Um, yeah, if you want to talk about mechanically how it was done. So what's unique about D-Gods and the D-Gods block, which is really 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 cool i think i think a lot of people kind of saw it because it's an easy image to make but like i think it's equally cool to talk about what it actually is and shout out frank for like jumping on this vision early because that was that was really something so when a bitcoin miner produces a block we can include uh, whatever transactions we want in it whatever valid transactions and um, typically we just choose uh, the most profitable ones because each transaction has a fee so now imagine these are inscriptions 
and or ordinals that we're including and um it's pretty cool if uh, so, so normally the way you, you 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 inscribe something is you just send a transaction and then a bitcoin miner will include it whenever um they want to whenever it makes sense from a profitability standpoint but let's say you are a visionary um nft collection wanting to inscribe um, a collection on bitcoin and you want to do it all in a big flex so you will find someone like luxor i believe are the only people who do this currently and we basically say okay let's work with frank to um take all of your entire collection and in one block put all of the inscriptions in we have a head limit of 4 megabytes so we got to like kind of finagle these technically so they all fit in a block and so basically we can say in one block we're going to put all the d gods in that and that and that's going to be the d gods block and this actually is a pretty historic um period for bitcoin mining because like we've not really had a lot of like new ideas and things that happen in the construction of blocks but now that we're it's it's kind of like you know the great artists throughout human history have been very creative minded but in order to paint the top of the Sistine Chapel you have to have engineers and architects build that and so i think that's what we're finding is that the technically minded people and the creatives have to work with each other and speak each other's language so we can do cool shit like make D, the d gods block or whatever else the d gods may have in store frank something add Yeah um no I think on the art side um I think you know our team and Luxor together made a little bit of a masterpiece with Bitcoin D gods and you know it'd be interesting if we were to run it back uh with something you know even crazier again I don't know just throwing that out in the air uh but <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was just I was chuckling at the uh the live, you know, proposition of business to Luxor, but yeah, please go ahead. Oh yeah. Um no, I think no, no, it would be so crazy if we were already scheming and plotting um, you know, for a minute now, but that being said, I I do think you your favorite projects on ETH are going to do something uh on Ordinal, so you might as well get into it now, PO, because uh I'm hearing the rumblings, man. You got You got some big boy teams about to drop some stuff so we're going to welcome them to the ecosystem. It's going to be fun. Yeah, I'm re- I'm ready for it, Frank. I started out as a laser-eyed maxi myself, so uh, you know, I'm definitely ready for things to come to Bitcoin. Uh, we can segue into the next thing. I want to hear from Trevor, you know, from Easy from Leonidas on really like what the top projects are on Ordinals at this point because, you know, you look at Ethereum, right? We got CryptoPunks, Board Ape Yacht Club. Those are sort of the the consensus number one uh, projects on Ethereum. Obviously, on the art side, you got collections like Fidenza. You know, different art blocks. Uh, you know, different different high value NFTs. But everyone sort of knows the, the top of the heap. Um, you know, I'll I'll front run the flattery and I'll say that Bitcoin D gods. Uh, I'm assuming Trevor Easy and and Leonidas would consider right up there at the top. So I'll I'll front run the flattery of Frank. But uh, but Trevor, yeah. Your hand raise. What's going on? Yeah, I, I think that there are some clear like breakout uh, projects. Of course, like BTC D Gods, Taproot Wizards, OCM Dimensions is dropping soon. Taproot Wizards uh, not out yet, right? Exactly. Yeah, of course, but they do have that st- the first four megabyte block. It's kind of historic, right? And of course, Udi is um, you know, he's he's our main character. He's he's the one that we need so that our lives can actually have peace. And uh, you know, I'm grateful for his service being the main character. Um, and, um, you know, I think that, but I think there's a wide open, I think it's wide open. And I think that one of the things about, um, the ordinal space is that we're all very much like trying to support each other and help each other, uh, grow and be successful. And I think there's a ton of projects dropping right now. And so, 
you know, I think it's, it's a, it's a wide open field. Um, you know, there's going to be some new project you've never heard of before. They're going to become popular, like the, the Bitcoin frogs, of course. I remember when those were like $50, uh, during NTNYC. And I was like, man, I should really just pick up a hundred of these and I'll give them those gifts. And then they, you know, went to 4,000 each. Um, and there, there's plenty of room to, to grow here. A lot of products are launching. Of course, you'll have like, you know, the, the, the projects who, um, already have a, an incredible track record, like the BTCD gods and like the, um, OCM and, uh, Yuga labs and, and, um, and, uh, Taproot wizards. Of course, I think that these, these are definitely going to be leaders, but you know, you got to keep your eyes open on what's going on in the space because there's going to be other awesome projects that come up. And you got to uh, shout out obviously ZK or no maxi business. Of course, man. That's yeah. Like, he's killing, he's like killing it. Yeah. To be, you know, one of the most iconic collections on Bitcoin. So yeah. Yeah. Of course. So yeah, I'll let I'll let you I'll let the other guys go around and say what they like. Absolutely. And of course, we were referencing ZK Shark. He's been on the show before. Uh, Resident Ordinals Maxi. Uh, gotta love the guy. It should also be mentioned because if there are listeners now that are you know familiar with Bitcoin, but not this collectibles ecosystem, right? Or this fine art ecosystem, you have to understand that you know buying a random you know NFT collection on any chain for that matter, whether it's Ordinals or something else, uh, that's not like buying Apple stock right? You're maybe buying into something that's an actual startup that's going to be managed, like a, like a D-Gods, like Frank's Project, right? Um, or you could be buying into something that's a fine art uh, you know, a fine art piece by a notable artist like a Fidenza by Tyler Hobbs. You know, you're seeing a, you're seeing traditional auction houses like Sotheby's and Christie's auction these things for seven figures, right? So there's provenance there. There's going to be a future, um, you know, of value in theory for the fine art side. But then there's also going to be a lot of projects that are created that are not maintained, developed, pushed, or valued long term. So you do have to have some sort of, you know, you have to be able to discern what's real and what's not, and you have to recognize the risk. Um, but I'll throw to, to Leonidas. Leonidas, did Trevor miss anything? Are there any other projects in your mind that are some of the top projects uh, on Ordinals right now? Uh, so I'll, I'll answer this in a slightly different way. Um, there's obviously a famous quote, give a man a fish and you feed him for a day, teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. And that's very much like kind of the way I like to think about answering these sort of questions. So I would challenge people to have a framework for analyzing these things themselves and not necessarily just listening to myself, uh, you know, saying a certain project. So the framework I would, and I've tweeted about this a lot for anybody who follows me, so this might be a little redundant, but I like to think of ordinals as being run by collectors, Ethereum, Solana. I think this is a little bit of an oversimplification, but you know, the flippers are, you know, maybe in charge a little bit more over there here. It's more just like nerdy collectors. Um, and the result of that is, you know, all of these things that collectors care about are a lot more important. So uh, I like to think of it as like peeling back the onion. You got to peel back the onion and see the different layers of collectability in these markets. And if you don't do that, like some of these sales are going to make absolutely zero sense. So I'll give a few examples of how you could either analyze a project or reverse engineer it and look for certain things that will lead you to a project. So one example, like the most kind of obvious meta was low inscription numbers early on. So very early on, like Taproot Wizards, this project, they inscribed their first inscription at number 652. So to me, that's just like instantly, okay, like these guys are doing something interesting with one of these cool collectible layers. Let's see if we can find something else. So that inscription number 652 also was the first, uh, 
you know, block to be four megabytes. So it was larger than the 400 kilobyte maximum that the rest of us can do. They worked with Charlie and the Luxor team to do a four megabyte block. This was the largest block ever. So they're actually experimenting with the file size. They're looking at how Bitcoin works and they're using it as a medium for the arc that they're actually creating, right? That, that file size is just one other layer of collectability. So now you've got two kind of interesting things that they're doing. And then you can just look, you know, if you spend a lot of time in this stuff, you'll start to notice like, okay, like what is the artist of this art doing? Well, FAR is inscribing lots of cool stuff um, that's not related to Taproot Wizards. And one example would be he inscribed this, it's a 3D file of this like kind of modern type of building architecture that he created. And again, <laughs> kind of showing my site here, but uh, basically you can go to or.io, go to the 3D tab, right? So we're, we're kind of separating things out by file type. Again, another layer of collectability. And you can go to that inscription and you can, if you're on your iPhone, you can actually click the AR button and like throw it out, go outside, throw it out into your yard. And you can go walk inside of that object that far inscribed fully on chain. So to me, these are just a few examples of, you know, anybody pushing the boundaries, like really demonstrating and being thoughtful about understanding the medium that they're working with. These are excellent signals, right? That this isn't just, hey, like, let's, uh, you know, get our art and slap it onto Bitcoin because there's a lot of interest there. These are people that are really taking the time to do it right. And shout out Frank, like, you know, inscribing, like, I kind of call it block art. Um, so making the actual block uh, art look kind of interesting, the way the, the block comes out on mempool.space. Shout out Nolish ZK, right? They're inscribing on specific sats. You know, Nolish literally is sifting through hundreds of millions of dollars of Bitcoin just to find one specific sat to inscribe his art on. You can't get, I don't know, like to me, uh, if you put that against, you know, just kind of slapping art onto Bitcoin and not understanding, you know, these things are just so uh, very, very different, right? So I would be looking for these layers of collectability and who is pushing the boundaries because we're at a point right now where we're so early that all of these like innovative artists and projects and people are establishing themselves as like the first early ones to push those boundaries. And then they get replicated by many other people in the future. But we remember that they were the first and the early ones to do that. And they kind of get this cultural OG and respect for these projects and this art that they're inscribing because they were the first to innovate with this stuff. So I'd be really paying attention uh, to all the things I just said. And there's like, I could talk about many more of these kind of collectible layers I have uh, theses around, but yeah, there, there's no doubt that paying attention to the collectible layers is uh, the way I would go about this. And I would analyze project creators based on how they're leveraging uh, Bitcoin as a medium. I love it. And we got Charlie with his hand raised. Charlie? Yeah, I, I really like how Leo frames it. I'm reluctant to say like specifically which collections I like on spaces because I got to be really careful with like, I don't want to show my bag too much. I want to try to be a neutral industry advocate. But um, I would say this, we're moving beyond the JPEG. Um, I like one of my friends at uh, the BTC Ghosts says, where everybody's still stuck in JPEG mo mode. And that is to say, um, the, the visual component of the inscription is simply just the, the, the top of the funnel here. I think right now it is disproportionately advantageous to get familiar with how Bitcoin works under the hood and how ordinal theory works under the hood and how transactions on Bitcoin work under the hood. Because when you start seeing, um, projects which utilize new techniques, novel ideas in these types of ways, 
those are the projects to pay attention to. Um, a great example is if uh, ZK inscribes a bunch of, uh, 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 you know, uh, of his new collection on block nines, or Frank inscribes uh, a D-God's block, or if um, somebody is inscribing, uh, say, dynamic HTML to assemble the inscription in front of you while utilizing block space really efficiently, um, some of these are new kind of weird ideas where they have, in order to really understand what's going on, you have to understand some of the core mechanics of Bitcoin. So I would say now is the time to disproportionately looking at the tech and not at the art. Now, I don't want to discount art. Um, it's just I'm I typically biased towards the more tech stuff because um, I uh, I'm I have limited marketing skills. But anyway, that's my that's my particular uh, take. I got to hop to a meeting. I love the show, guys. What a wonderful uh, panel up here. Thanks for joining, Charlie. I mean, look, we're, we're going to wrap uh, just about on that. Trevor, are there any closing thoughts that you wanted to give the audience about Ordinal's BRC20s or any of the new stuff that's happening on Bitcoin? Yeah, I would just say that, like, you know, there was this pattern in the early days where it was like, oh, a thousand, a thousand inscriptions is over. I'm too late. Oh, 10,000 inscriptions are over. I'm too late. Oh, 100,000 is over. I'm too late. You know, like, this, this is not a meta. This is not a... Um, a fad. Like this is not going anywhere. This is a paradigm of, of building applications. And, you know, being in this space right now, the incredible growth, it's almost like being in a little, little mini bull market here, you know, in light of like the things happening outside in the macro environment. And so, you know, um, it's impossible to time a market, but I think if you're starting to really believe that there is potential here, you have to, you know, start learning, start educating yourself, you know, don't obviously go in and just like buy something that you don't understand. That's the worst thing you can do. Uh, never buy anything you don't understand. What you have to do is just start learning, educating, get involved in the community. Um, there's many, many more things to come. I mean, we're not even at the at the halftime show here of this movement. And um, there's, you know, um, if you've been fading it, you know, it's it's like, so what? Like, you know, uh, sunk cost fallacy. <laughs> don't look at the past. Get involved. There's exciting things going on. You know, we're not maxis in this community. I mean, we're almost maxis, but we're not maxis of any type of like one thing or dogma, you know, uh, we believe that that this space as a whole is what we want to succeed, and we see just you know Bitcoin orals being an important piece of that puzzle. If Peter Schiff flipped, you can too. Look, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Bitcoin Show. Hope you enjoyed it. We do the show every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Today's was all about Bitcoin ordinals and BRC20. Make sure you follow the Bitcoin Show Twitter account. It's the account that's hosting this space right now. Make sure you follow that account for all updates regarding the Bitcoin Show. You can also find the show on Apple or Spotify podcasts. All the links are in the bio of that account. You can share the podcast with people outside to Twitter if you want to get the word out on the Bitcoin show. We will be back tomorrow, back to normal programming. Another kick-ass guest tomorrow, uh, not tomorrow, so excuse me, le- next week. I'm so used to doing the daily shows, the weekly show. Sorry, everybody. Next week, Tuesday, another badass guest. Back to your regular scheduled Bitcoin show programming. Shout out to everybody that joined the show today. As a panelist, Trevor, Leonidas, BitGod, Charlie from Luxor, Easy, Frank D-Gods, Everybody, and shout out to Aubrey Strobel, our co-host that couldn't make it today. Make sure you subscribe to The Observation on YouTube and check out Aubrey's content. Um, We love having her on the show, and she'll be back next week, I'm sure. Trevor, the host of The Ordinal Show, make sure you tune into that. He does that twice a week with Leonidas. Anyways, we will catch you guys next time. See you on Tuesday of next week. Share the show. Thanks for listening, everyone.